Welcome to the Team of a Lifetime show. This podcast is all about helping you propel your team's performance to an extraordinary level. I'm Sally Love, your host of the Team of a Lifetime show. Tune in as my expert guests and I tackle the tough challenges teams have to overcome to achieve success. You'll get insight, powerful proven practices, and the inspiration you need to lead effectively, build an amazing team culture, and deliver results that people didn't even believe were possible. Let's get started. I had the opportunity to sit down with my great friend, Daniel Allison, also known as the average dude. And we talked all things personal development and personal growth. If you're wanting to experience tremendous personal growth yourself this year in some area of your life, then you're definitely going to want to listen in to my conversation with Daniel. I want you to know that Daniel is the real deal. He doesn't just talk about personal development. He actually lives it. And so what we talk about today is not theory and it's not something out of a book. This is real life with the average dude himself. So, hey, let's get into it. It's going to be a good one today. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you. Glad to be here, Sally. I always enjoy talking to you, so I'm looking forward to it. I know that personal development is something that you really take seriously. You really (laughs) take action. I try to. I try to take action. I, I think that part of what we do when we do LinkedIn videos or do a podcast and we talk about that things, it almost gives us an obligation to practice what we preach, to not be hypocritical. So if I talk about doing something, I feel like I have to do it. And one of the reasons that I think you said that I take personal development seriously, and it's true, I do, but it's because I didn't prior. I know what it's like to not take personal development seriously, and I know how much better it is when I do. So that is one of the questions I had for you is I wanted to know if you've always been like this. So tell me about that journey. That's probably the big journey. That's the majority of my life. So the personal development journey for me started in November of 2014. And it started with the conversation with a life coach that had reached out to me on LinkedIn. And she wanted to to talk to me. And at that time, I didn't have any interest in having a personal development or life changing conversation. But she stayed with it. And we ended up having that conversation, like I say, lit lit a spark in me. And I decided that it was time to start trying to make some improvements. What did she say to you exactly? She listened to me at first. She let me say all of the excuses and all of the things of why I wasn't doing this, what I could have done if this hadn't happened and all that. She let me basically say all of that. And I don't remember her exact words. And I wish I would have recorded this conversation because it was so impactful. But essentially what she said is, so what are you going to do about it now? And it was that challenge. I've never had anyone challenge me after, wait a minute, didn't you hear all the tough things that I'd been through and all of these great excuses that I had? Did did we have a bad connection? (laughs) But but her reply was, no, what are you going to do about it? And I remember even now when I think back to this time, I get chills because I didn't expect to have a moment like that. And so she said, what are you going to do about it? I said, well, what do you mean? What's the first thing that you're going to do? If you decided, she said, if you decided you wanted to just turn your life around and you wanted to start doing all the things that you wanted to do, what would you do? I said, I'd get up tomorrow morning and probably work out. 
what time would you get up? Well, I'd have to get up early. I'd have to get up probably five o'clock. And she said, Daniel, are you going to do it? And I said, I'm going to do it. So that's how it started. Do you think that taking the first step on any goal is the best step? I mean, you have to start somewhere, right? You do. Absolutely. And committing. I committed. I said, that's what the first step would be. And I'm going to do it. It's going to happen in the morning. And so that next morning I got up and I took a picture of the gym as I was walking in and I sent that to her. That was my, hey, I said I was going to do it and I did. And so that became our way of communicating. I would take a picture of the gym every morning as I was walking into it. Okay, so you started working out that day and then mm-hmm. that led into other personal development things that you wanted to pursue? It did. I have found that fitness and exercise and health, it leads to all the other things. It gives me the energy and that kind of mental toughness. Nobody really wants to run a long way or work out hard. It's not, we, we do it because of the way we feel afterwards. At a certain point, you start enjoying the exercise because you really enjoy how you feel afterwards. And so I think that it's just a great way to look at everything that we do. There's this resistance to, to do anything, really. There's some type of resistance. Anything that we should do, there's some resistance. But if we get through that resistance, then we also reap the rewards. Are you still getting up really early in the morning? I am. For the last seven years or so, I've been pretty consistent. Now, you may look at my body and say, wait a minute, I thought you worked out all the time. It's one of these things where I do enough to experience what we're talking about. That resistance, get up early. I might run just one or two miles and do a few push-ups. Or we do have a, a workout group that I'm a part of. And that's been a huge deal. Just the accountability, the camaraderie, the relationships, that kind of group has really encouraged me as well. About how many people are in that group? This morning, we had between 15 and 20. I, I didn't hear the final count, but 15 to 20 people on a Saturday morning at 630. These are folks that, that have, there was a, a, an ER doctor there this morning. There's sales folks. There's all sorts of business people, lawyers. You get such a, just a wide variety of people that do impressive things and you get all these perspectives. So we have coffee afterwards. And, oh, that, and that's what, that would be the best part for me is having coffee afterwards. <laughs> It is because you get all these guys who just finished doing a workout. You're all experiencing that same feeling of kind of overcoming the workout and overcoming that resistance. And then you get to have a coffee and kind of celebrate together. Yeah, no kidding. Do you have a leader of this group that leads the workout every time? That's a great topic, actually. The way that it works, we take turns leading the group. And so that person is responsible to take everybody through the exercises. They'll typically bring music. And so it's your show. When it's your turn to do, we call it the cue. And when it's your turn to lead the group and be the cue, then you're, for me, that is a very, that's a leadership opportunity in and of itself. I didn't, I took homeschool growing up and didn't play on any team sports, wasn't in the military. So being around 20 guys and leading them in exercise, that makes me nervous. It gets the heart rate up. It's a challenge every time I do it. Of course, these guys are my friends, but it challenges me probably as much as anything does. Yeah, because I can imagine those 20 guys, they'll let you know if it wasn't a good workout, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not the ear-tickling type. <laughs> they'll call you out. As a matter of fact, one of the guys in the group this morning, I was doing an exercise, and I, I think I must have been slacking a little bit. He's like, look at Freon. They call me Freon. They said, look at Freon over there. He's slacking. So he, you don't, they don't cut any slack. <laughs> so, so I love it. 
What was it like the first time that you had to lead the group? Every time is like the first time. It's something that I know, like I'm going to go ahead and commit to doing it more this year because we volunteer for that. And I don't volunteer as much as I should because it makes me so doggone nervous. It always goes well and everybody's so supportive, but it's just one of those things for me personally. Now you ask some of the other guys in the group and they might say, you're doing a podcast and you do this and, and people may not understand, but everyone has something that makes them feel a little more insecure, a little more uncomfortable. That to me is out of my comfort zone. Again, I think it's because it's a different dynamic than you would find in these other places. And it's something that I'm not used to not having played sports. And it's very much like a military group or a sports team. In addition to taking the first step on trying mm. to improve or achieve a goal, getting out of your comfort zone sounds like it's probably important to achieving personal development as well, right? Yeah. I, I think looking for that resistance and asking ourselves, you don't want to, to I'd say, I say that at the end game, you got to take, no matter what you find when you look at these thoughts that we're having. So if I say, oh man, what is it about F3 that makes me so nervous? Now I could sit there and I could think it, talk about it and, and get, and, and I think there, that can be valuable because you look for, you know, why does this thing, why is it tougher for me? But at the end of the day, you still got to do it. So no matter how uncomfortable, how nervous you are, I think I'd talk about here, I'd talk about uh, jumping out of the airplane because I'm scared to death of heights and I've never had jumped out of an airplane and it was something that just made me very nervous. And so I just, I said, I wonder why I'm so nervous about that. And so the next day I, I committed to jumping out of an airplane, just went and did it by myself, you know, with a, a group, but we jumped out of a plane. And that to me is like it is for all this personal development stuff. Hey, it scares me. I'm not sure exactly why it scares me, but I have an opportunity to do it. I'm going to take it. Oh my goodness, you jumped out of an airplane. Now that is taking personal development too. I'm going to say new heights. To new heights. And, and I have yeah. to tell you, if somebody told me, Sally, you need to jump out of an airplane, you and I would not be having this conversation today. Okay? Because I just wouldn't be here to even talk about it. That's amazing. You went the yeah. next day. Yeah. I decided to do it and and got online and I got on the application to buy the ticket and got to the last final screen. I wasn't ready to hit enter. I put my credit card in and everything was ready to go. And I just still had this kind of resistance. And so I went down and I was going to have a cup of coffee at the coffee shop downstairs. And I walked in and lo and behold, the gentleman, the dude <laughs> that was getting my coffee ready for me, he had on a shirt. And it was a shirt from the place that I was going to go and jump out of an airplane. I had the application waiting ready. And I said, I got to ask you, you've got that shirt on. Tell me about that experience. Oh, man, I loved it. It was so great. I said, upstairs, I've got my application ready. I just need to hit enter. He said, do it, man. You're, you'll be glad you did. You just need to do it. I came back upstairs and I hit enter and I, I went the next morning. <laughs> Were you glad you did it? Absolutely. I absolutely it now I'm very scared of heights and I was very scared to jump out of that airplane but it taught me so much number one the gentleman that was going to be it was a tandem jump and so the first thought that I had when I got there who is going to be the guy that's going to have my life in his hands essentially 
Because I don't know anything about jumping out of an airplane. If I jump out of an airplane, who knows what might happen, right? I need someone that knows what they're doing. So we're putting on our gear, and they said, hey, you're, whoever your partner is going to come out. And I'm thinking, who is this going to be, you know? And the gentleman that came out, I could not have asked for the more he, I trusted him. I asked him a few questions, just ask him questions about how many times he had done it, why he enjoyed yeah. it. Right. Is this your first time jumping out of an airplane too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what he told me is that he was actually a, a pilot and he had all these jumps and he had jumped all over the world and he had his act together. He was a, a sharp guy and that made me feel better. And so I was asking him like a podcast. I started asking him about different parts of flying and what we're doing and why are we doing this and so then we started the climb sally and the interesting thing about getting on the plane you're in that there's only one way back once you're on the plane you're committed you're tethered to this dude and you're getting ready to jump so we climbed all the way up and he kept asking me you're all right and i said i, I don't know how it's to be we're getting ready to do it so here it comes they open up the door and of course <laughs> the wind is cold and I thought, my word. And it, it was a different kind of sensation than I can have visualized. Like, that's the only way I know how to describe that. But so I, you know, you get, all right, you're next. And I get onto the edge and it says on the same, do not grab bar. Of course, what I did is I latched onto the bar and I had a death grip. I'm pretty, pretty good with pull-ups. So he's like, you're going to have to let go of that. You're going to have to let go. He had to scream it at me. And I did. He said, we're going. It's boom. It, and just that that first little leap it was amazing i honestly it was amazing the feeling and he said what do you think and i was like I, once you get the idea of like he's calm i'm calm we're falling through the air that's why i did it i, I knew that if i could get out of the plane that that there was probably a reward on the other end so oh my goodness they would have yeah. had to have pushed me that's the <laughs> well, only way i would have gone out of that plane he let me pull on the cords and we turned and did some fun things like that, but it taught me so much. I remember on the way up to wherever I did this and on the way up, I, I was by myself and I was just thinking about my life and what if this is the end of it what, and what if something goes wrong? And so it, it, it definitely drummed up some emotion in me and made me think about things. And I think that sometimes that's can be healthy. No kidding. Oh my goodness. I am so impressed that you did that. <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe I hadn't told you yet, Sally. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> yeah, so, it was fun. So I know that you've been on a public speaking journey for quite a while. Yeah. I don't know how long. Would you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Uh, so in, after this 11-11-2014, deciding to start working out, part of that, as you said, I started adding things to it. So uh, I got into to walking and uh, I would walk and while I would walk, I'd walk on nature walks and I'd listen to personal development audios, just different books on personal development. And as I was walking, one of the authors said, think about what it is that makes you nervous, that there's some resistance to, but also works well with where your skill set is. For me, I'm in sales. I knew that communication is really what I do. So it's, he, and he said, and, and I want you to take action on it now. <laughs> well, here I was outside walking. And I stopped the audio and I, I Googled public speaking classes and I started making phone calls, Sally. I started calling different schools. I said, I got to do this. <laughs> and, and so it, none of those worked out, 
But then I saw something, Toastmasters. And I thought, what? Is that a drinking club? What is Toastmasters? And, <laughs> That's uh, funny. <laughs> yeah. And so I called uh, a gentleman by the name of Will May, who is a great public speaker. He lives up here in the upstate. He's just a really fun guy. And he said, we have a meeting on this date. I think it was 7 o'clock. Love for you to come. So I went to that first meeting. And back then, this Toastmasters was really thriving. A big group. And Will did an amazing job just with the energy. And it, he is just a very charismatic speaker and gets others involved. And it was a lot of fun. I thought, my goodness, this is fantastic. The thing about Toastmasters, you come as a guest, but then you, all of a sudden you're participating. And so he, he had me come up and they asked me a table topics question where you have to speak extemporaneously for one to two minutes. And I said, well, this is what I want to do. Let me just say this. As soon as I committed to my first speech in Toastmasters, ideas started coming in. How would I do this? I was able to visualize and still am speaking and what I need to do or what the goal would be. I tell people, if you're getting a movie role and you're supposed to be some great speaker, how would you act in, in that role? How, how would you move? How would you talk? And of course, that's hard to replicate right off the bat, but it's a good way to fake it till you make it. And what does that look like? And if we can see what that looks like, then we can try to emulate it. So it, again, it, sometimes the things that scare us the most are the things we're supposed to do. That so is so it. true. So did you get up and speak at that first meeting that night? We'll force the action. And that's why it's great. Just like it's great to have somebody that, that'll take you up to new heights and jump out of an airplane. It's great to have someone that will challenge you and push you and metaphorically push you out of the plane. Right. And Will did that for me that night. I will also mention this. I just talked about this on Jenny Winnie and the Average Dude. I was in the club. I gave my icebreaker and some other speeches. So then it was time for the first contest, area contest. And Will, again, I've been watching him, and he's just on another level. I'm not even thinking. He says, I'm in the contest, and I have one person in this room that I want to challenge to come against me. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I hope he doesn't pick me. And he said, Daniel Allison. And I thought, oh, no. Of <laughs> all I, people, why yeah, do you have to pick I, me? Right? Yeah, and what do you say to that? There's a room full of people. He said, will you do it? And I said, you're on, buddy. And what that did, it immediately put me into this place of, well, if I'm going to beat him, what would I have to do? And I can't be me the way that I've been speaking and beat him. And I'm not playing to lose. So what's it going to take? What, did you do what, it? I did it. And I beat him. You <laughs> but, did? You beat yeah, him? I did beat him. I, you know, what? that speech, I thought about what I would talk about. And that's when I remembered something that had been coming up in my mind a lot, which was the 50-yard dash story that really defines my life. And I thought, you know what? This is when I tell that story. And so I told the 50-yard dash story, and of course, that was me basically falling on purpose during the race because I didn't want to lose, and I tied that into what we were experiencing right then. And then to end the speech, I looked over at Will May and told him to eat my dust. So <laughs> I don't know Will at all, yeah. but I'm guessing since he challenged you to do that, he knew you needed a challenge, Yes, and he knew you needed to commit in order to get better. I bet you he probably didn't like getting beat, but he was probably happy for you that you beat him, right? 
he's a very competitive person, but you're right. He wanted the challenge. He knew that I was the kind of person that would bring my best. And he spoke after I did. And he told me later, he said, I didn't see that coming. He really surprised me. He said, and so I knew that I had to bring it. And so they have judges and who knows who gave the better speech that night, honestly, but they gave it to me. And he was a funny person because he would admit, he was like, I wanted to win, but he he rolled with the punches. But you're right, Sally. He he wanted people. He's been around it so much and seen so many people. I love Toastmasters. I love to see people overcoming that fear of speaking and how much that does for their confidence. Well, the fear of speaking is huge. Yeah. Many people rank the fear of speaking way up there above the fear of dying. It is that frightening for for many people. It was for me years ago when I first started my company and well, when I first started my career, I I could hardly speak in a room. People would say, we'd go around the room and they'd say, all you need to do is say your name and the department that you're in. (laughs) I I was hyperventilating. People see me now and they think, how is that possible? But it's yeah. really, that's the way it was for me when I first started speaking. Um, yeah. I think you've told me a story before about Toastmasters mm-hmm. where you had a hard time coming up with words, right? I, I'll tell you a couple. I've got so many Toastmaster stories, but I love them talking about them because it was so much fun. I did one speech where I intentionally didn't say anything because what I have come to realize is it's that. When you have it, somebody calls it Daniel Allison to the lectern and you come up and everybody's eyes are on you. You have their attention and that is what's overwhelming. And we tend to shrink when that happens. We want to get smaller. We want to extend away from the crowd. We want to speak low. But the whole idea is to keep their attention. And so in order to train myself on that feeling and to just really live in it, nobody knew this was coming. I wanted to live in that silence. I wanted to live in that pressure of not saying a word. So what I did is I went up, they announced my name, and we normally shake hands. As soon as he called my name, I put my hands in the air because that's the sign of victory, and it also brings more to you. And so I didn't shake his hand. I left my hands up, and I started just walking back and forth in front of the crowd. And they were looking at me, Sally, like I had lost my mind. They were like, what's he doing? So what it's training me to do is see all these facial expressions. And my mind is saying, Daniel, you've got to tell them. You've got to explain it to them. What are you doing? And I'm just walking back and forth with my hands in the air. And and finally, I dropped my hands. But not until I just kept going back and forth. It was long enough for the crowd to stand up and give me a standing ovation without saying a word. That's the only time it's ever happened. Oh, and, my goodness. A yeah, standing it, ovation. For not saying anything. But it was effective. You have to it admit. Was effective. And it was effective for teaching me, too. And, and that's what I told them and explained. The, in my mind, our mind will say all sorts of things. Put your hands down. Tell them you're looking like a fool. You're this. You're that. But we don't have to listen to our minds. The mind will also say, don't work out. But we don't have to listen. That's resistance. And so then I gave the analogy of a roller coaster ride. It's in the beginning, the first time we ride it, we are holding on death grip. Oh, I just want to get through it. But on the fifth time of riding the Scooby-Doo, <laughs> we put our hands in there and we have a good time. So that was one. Now, I have had, I remember now that the table topics contest, 
which this was the area contest as the first time I was in an, an area contest. And so there's a hundred plus people in the audience, very much like the beauty pageant contest where you go up and you have to say something, ask you a question, you speak it contemporaneously. Long story short, I was the first contestant. I went up, they asked me a question and nothing. I could not think of a wor the worst case scenario, right? I drew a total blank. And the question was, you have three doors. Door one is this, door two is that, and door three is that. What door do you choose and why? So there's no right or wrong answer, but in my mind, I'm terrible at making decisions. <laughs> and so, so I was like, well, let me see. I don't do that door. I just, I started thinking too much. And then I looked at the crowd and it was cricket, different type of silence. This wasn't intentional silence. This was the type of silence. And so I'm on the other end of that. I'm sweaty palmed and I said some words. They definitely, if somebody recorded that, they could really embarrass me. I'll say that. <laughs> so finally I get it out something. And it was very, it was like 15 seconds. It made no sense. And it was bad. It was bad enough that when I sat down, the person next to me said, basically, it's all right. They encouraged oh, me. Oh, boy. The next contestant, Sally, he came running down to the stage, hands in the air, let's go. And they asked him the same question, and he gave the best two-minute speech you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> so how were you feeling then? I said, oh, that's how you're supposed to do it. And I, I pulled myself now, the, if somebody says do a table topic, the worst possible scenario has happened, right? I cannot do any worse than that. You got that out of the way. We don't have That's to worry right. about that anymore. Yeah. So now the goal became immediately, I want to do what he's doing. He's having fun. I was struggling. And so that was a cool experience. I don't remember what he said in that speech. And I think that's probably a lesson in that. It's just his energy and the way that he just embraced the moment. It's in lieu of being overwhelmed by it. Yeah, and the, and the way that he handled himself and carried himself. And, and that's yeah. a lot of public speaking, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's why it's important to see the motions and see not what you're going to say, but how you're going to move, how you're going to stand, the gestures you're going to make, to visualize that part of it and not think so much about the content. <laughs> Yeah, and not think so much about ourselves and how we're being perceived Ooh. by other now, people. Now, there you go. That's, that's some of the advice that you gave me, and I think it's wonderful to, to focus on the audience. And I go back to that so often, you know, and, and it goes back to uh, Matt Abraham, so someone that I interviewed, but he's a great public speaking coach. And one of the things that he talks about is daring to be dull. We want to sound super intellectual. We want to say big words. Everybody does. It's a human nature to, hey, if we're going to be vulnerable, I want y'all to know that I'm not a fool, right? But the idea is, hey, I'm trying to communicate a message. I'm the average dude. I'm just trying to communicate a message. I need to say it clearly, concise. And if the audience, one of the things that Matt said, if the audience understands what you're saying, well, then it doesn't need any more fluff to it. That's the whole purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. So so I love his audience is really key. It is. And I appreciated your advice on that. So you just mentioned the average dude. And I do want to talk about the average dude because a couple of reasons. I mean, you are the average dude and that is your persona. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, but I'd like to think I have just a little bit to do with the average dude. Oh, yeah. you've got a lot to do with the average dude now. So, Come on. So let's talk about the average dude journey and then how that segued right into Jenny Winnie and the average dude. 
absolutely would love to. Well, that goes back on this personal growth journey, being a part of the industrial network group. And we were on one of these Zoom calls, virtual meetings, where we have a, a wide variety of people. On that call was someone that, by the name of Sally Love. You may be familiar with her. <laughs> but at, after that little meeting and we were sharing different thoughts and that sort of thing, you called me up and you said, Daniel, I think that you should do a podcast. You should start a podcast. Have you ever thought about it? I think it's what you first asked me. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast? And I had just thought about it and then just let it go. But you reaching out and you bringing it to my attention made me say, hey, number one, I appreciated that. And number two, I thought, maybe I should start it and start doing something. And what was funny, I had done some interviews of not calling it a podcast. I actually, Chris Simmons, I had talked to Chris and he said, maybe you could ask me some questions about, we, we were just doing like something for ING. And so I just a little bit, but I, when I was doing, I said, man, I really enjoyed that. And so I knew that I, I did. And you lit that fire in me and so I sat down with this laptop that I'm looking at right now and I got on Anchor because I knew that there was all sorts of different ways to go and start a podcast. And I, and Anchor said, record your first, I opened up my account and it said, record your first podcast. <laughs> and, and I said, well, what am I going to call it? I was ready to hit, I was ready to say something. I just wasn't sure what I was going to say. And I said, man, and, and I, I will add this. That day, someone had said to me, they said, oh, you're just like an average dude or something like that. And that stuck in my mind because I'm not average. And then I contemplated, I started thinking about it. Actually, yeah, I am. (laughs) He's right. And that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to call myself the average dude. And then that first podcast was all of that kind of contemplation on that thought that someone had made to me. And I had thought about, so I just talked about all of the things that make me average. And I found more and more every day, like the more progress I make, the more average I see that I am. I will never forget that day because I too (laughs) wanted to start a podcast. And, and so I I didn't even, I had never talked to you. I had to call Mm. our mutual friend, Chris Simmons, to get your Mm. phone number. And so when I I reached out to you that day to say, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? (laughs) Well, so we got off that call and then I called you and we ended that call and yeah. my husband and I went to dinner at our favorite Thai restaurant. We were meeting some friends there. And yeah. as we walked into the Thai restaurant, I got a text message and I wasn't <laughs> expecting one. And so yeah. I looked at my phone and you had sent me a text message and you said, I just did my first podcast episode. <laughs> I remember saying to my husband and our friends that we met at dinner, I'm like, What? This guy has already done his first episode. You got to be kidding me. Um, But now that I've heard about you going to the gym that day, the next day after talking to that coach on the phone, jumping out of an airplane the next day. I mean, oh my goodness, this is a pattern for you is that Mm -hmm. when you do commit to something, you take action. You don't just talk about it and think about it. You don't overanalyze it like engineer me, overanalyze everything. (laughs) Yeah, so well, I think that there's time for that analyzing and and, and probably the, the give and take. My personality is one to take action quickly, but then it's that dotting the I's and crossing the T's in whatever detail or perfectionism or whatever you want to call that. So we all have these things, but for me, it comes from the sales, I think, background. If I ever pass, no matter what I've been selling, whatever type of sales, no matter what, if I feel 
nervous or scared to walk into somewhere, I know that I absolutely must do it. There's just, you've got to make the call. You've got to walk in. What else am I going to do? I've, I've always told myself that. And so if I pass a place, and I'll still do this. If I say, man, that'd be a good place to call on. Well, why not do it now? If it's a good place to call on, you need to do a U-turn. <laughs> and, and so I hold myself accountable in those ways. And really, honestly, Sally, I'm trying to, because I know that's part of me, I'm trying to make more commitments. Because when I commit, when I say I'm going all in, or if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So I need to say it more often. I just know that my the way that I hold myself accountable, that I have to do it. <laughs> so it's I hesitate to say to commit sometimes. So you started podcasting that day mm-hmm. immediately. And then at some point that kind of transitioned into what you're doing now, where you're well, I'll let you describe it, what you're doing now with Jenny Winnie and the average dude. Yeah. So I enjoyed podcasting. I loved I love organic conversations. I I would, as people would come on and I would hit record right off the bat and I really wouldn't edit very much. And I I enjoyed that. I I enjoyed the rush that that we could both, and, and it almost forces you into an organic conversation. And so something that almost immediately when I first started doing podcasts, I was like, I'd really like to do these live. I would like the extra added pressure of doing it And number one, that would help me do away with the editing to a certain degree. It would also be excusable because people would understand, okay, hey, this is live and organic. And I said, okay, so I can match my podcast to my personality, which is off the cuff. It's extemporaneous. I I do much better that way. Jenny Winnie and the Average Dude, is it a podcast? Is it a talk show? Is it an adventure-seeking vehicle? Yes, it's all of those things. I, I wanted freedom and flexibility to to follow my energy. If I want to talk to somebody, I want to talk to somebody. If I want to go somewhere and try something, I want that to be part of the show. So this year, we're going to, it's going to be a wide variety of adventures. So I've, I've started calling it the adventures of Jenny Winnie and the Average Dude. And I'm going to release some of the live programs on audio. So it's a traditional podcast. So when I interview, when we interview people, we'll be able to, make it easy, more easily accessible to others. It didn't originally start out. You didn't plan to have it, Jenny, oh, yeah. the average dude. No, thank right? you for that. Yeah, thanks for that reminder. I, so we started out, I wanted to just do a live podcast. And, and I was thinking, who would be my first guest? And I had interviewed Jenny Winnie previously as my cousin, Jennifer. And I knew that she had great energy. I enjoyed talking to her when she was on my podcast. And I said, that. That would be a great kind of first show it is, I thought, male, female, we have some similar energy. And so we, we had her own. And then the next week, I had a guest. Her name's Ariel, who I've not had a chance to interview yet, which I'm looking forward to eventually. But Ariel was sick and wasn't able to do it. She called me that morning. I'm so sorry, I can't do it. I said, that's okay. I said, like, what am I going to do? And right then, Sally, I had the thought, Jenny needs to be my co-host. That's when it actually hit me. And so I brought her on for a second week in a row to do the live with me. And when I did that, I just knew. I knew that was the path. And so I'm trying to timeline that exactly. But I, I do remember very quickly in that second one saying, I think that this will be the way we do it. And what's so great about it is, of course, I've known Jenny all my life. Grew up next door to her. We're like brother and sister. What I have discovered is that we, even though we grew up next door, 
what we didn't have is working together on a project like this. You get to know somebody in a different way when you're on a live program and you're just speaking like that. So I know our relationship has become closer in that way. And what you really start understanding is because of our dynamic and we there's no ego involved. And so it's, okay, you're good at this. I'm pretty okay at that. You're good at this. I'm on decent at this. Let's just mesh those things together. And you take that, you run up there, I'm going to throw you the ball. It's quarterback wide receiver. Hey, who can run fast and catch? Okay, you're the receiver. Who can throw? You? Okay, good. Go. (laughs) And so as we go down this journey, I think that's going to be useful because we know each of us has a slightly different skill that can be applied in different areas to help us along the journey. Well, y'all are doing just a great job. It's so entertaining. (laughs) It's fun. You have great guests on there. And um, I, I think y'all mesh well together. Jenny yeah. is awesome. She and, is. And of course, we know the average dude is amazing. <laughs> He's so. a pretty average. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and I'm imagining that going live and doing something like that that you've never done before, that Jenny's never done before, is, I mean, that's a personal development journey. You must be learning things about yourself and stretching oh. yourself in different ways that maybe you've never even imagined. I would say that it is. Number one, it is a guaranteed way to get your energy going. When you know you're live, it doesn't matter if there's one, it doesn't matter if there's nobody watching. If you just the, the idea that someone may be watching or listening to what you say, it will get your energy up. So when Jenny hits that little countdown, all right, we've got 15 seconds before we go live. Sally, I love that feeling. It, I mean, I love it. And it's one of those things where it's almost instant energy. And we do. You learn a lot of things. You learn to keep moving that people don't care. If you say something wrong on a live show, though, you, you can't take it back. It's already done. So if, if you start down a path or if you say something wrong, if you have a dumb idea, whatever, just keep moving. <laughs> and that's just like in life. We tend to be really hard on ourselves, or I was, just everything that I say. I might do a LinkedIn video and just say, ah, that's terrible. And the truth is, we're human beings. We say things. Nobody says everything perfect. And alive is a great way to practice that because you don't have a choice. It's going to be said. Whatever is said is on the book. It's on the record. And it's taught me. It's amazing. The same is true on a sales call, in a sales meeting, any other situation. If you say something wrong, keep moving. You just keep moving keep your head held high and keep moving. And that's one of the things that that live has taught me. It's taught me how little attention is paid on a granular level to what it's saying. It's more bigger picture, keep the energy up and keep moving. And y'all are so authentic. And that's what people want, not just on a LinkedIn live, but people want that in life. They want to work with and be around people who are authentic, not people who have or trying to be something that they're not. Thank you, Sally, for that. Because I, what I've told Jenny is, if you don't know what to say, exactly what you're thinking. And that will get us out of any type of dead silence. Because what generally is happening, oh man, I'm thinking about, and probably what you're experiencing is a very human thing. And so if you pull back the curtain and allow, say people, that, hey, this is actually what's happening. Well, people are not going to hold that against you because they feel the same way. Absolutely. There, it, and I love it when Jenny holds up her little question mark. Thing. Isn't that awesome? And, and it's, it's wonderful. And when she asks a question, 
is probably the question that the rest of us would love to ask. And we're glad she holds up her little question mark thing and she asks that question. We have been discussing that. I knew as soon as she did that, like I had this like vision of it. And and, and, and when, when the first time she did, I said that that's what we need in life. How many times that we, you know, stop, I got something to say. And it's almost, and there's some, there's got to be some type of game, like leadership game that we can play with this. I've got a question or how to get someone to notice you in a fun kind of way. And so that you can speak what you want to speak. I don't know. I just think there's some, there's something to that and, and what that actually means. And it's a fun way to do it. Yeah, it is. So as we wrap up our conversation today, you yeah. mentioned something to me about making a contract with yourself. Yeah. I would love for you to share that um, as we come to a conclusion here today. Yeah, absolutely. So that that was one of the things that I started way, way back when. So I've been writing contracts to myself and I make them as formal as possible. I went to the computer and I wrote Jeremy Daniel Allison on this day. It, it's almost like a legal document. I wanted it to be as professional as possible. I may have even ripped a, a template of a, an actual contract. And just put my name in there, the date, the whole bit. And then I commit to the following. I will do this and this. If this happens, this is that. I had everything just mapped out, just like a, a, a contract to myself, a commitment. And printed it off, dated it, signed it, stuck it in my journal. If we're keeping the, the commitments that we make to ourselves, that's going to be the best, the fastest way to become confident and believing in ourselves. And that really ramps it up instead of just in our mind having this idea of, yeah, I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to do it. And even writing it down, I've got a contract. I've dated it. I've signed it. Hey, this is the way that it is. Um, What I have found is it's hard to write that contract. These are contracts that I am sacrificing something that I don't really want to. If you're writing a contract and you're real excited about it, look at it again. It's not hard enough. (laughs) It's got to be something that really you don't want to either give up or there's got to be some sacrifice to it. And that's when you know that, that you're on to something. Overcoming yourself. And which is truly uh, the essence of personal development is overcoming ourselves. It, it's not the external things. It, it's internal to us. I, I completely agree. It's a personal journey. What, what the challenge is for me is not the challenge for someone else. It's, it's a subjective experience. And that's why it's important. I think something that's been on my mind a lot here lately, Sally, is just self-awareness in general, knowing and understanding what our buttons are, what makes us excited, what makes us upset, all those sorts of things. Because that's the operator's manual to how to get the most out of this device, this body, <laughs> this mind. And so Self-awareness is more than a a Facebook personality profile. What is it about my life experience that really I have certain things that I'm sensitive to? And what I'm sensitive to, maybe nobody else in the world is sensitive to it, but I am. And so that's what I need to overcome or find out why that button. And then load your buttons and don't wait for somebody else to push them. You got to push them yourself. That way you're in control and you know what's going to happen. I'd say it's like playing a video game and... You say, oh, I press this button, he jumps. I press this button, he does this. And I press this one, he does that. Well, it's the same with us. <laughs> Once you know your buttons, you've got the operator's manual on what's going to happen and how to get the most out of yourself. As we wrap up today, will you do something for me? Will you share this episode with somebody else so that they can benefit from it too? 
And if you're really serious about creating an exceptional team, just reach out to me at sallyloveinspires.com and we'll talk about how my team success formula can help you transform your team into the team of a lifetime. I'll be back with another episode soon. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss those future episodes. 